So my first question is, what is the hardest part about being a showrunner? Um, there's a lot of hard parts of being a showrunner. And I already had my question, my answer prepared, but I just realized I have two answers. So my first one is that no matter what's going on, at the end of the day, you are responsible to the trains of production. Meaning like, no, so lately, a lot of productions say block shoot. So it means that they're shooting two episodes at the same time. And what's really hard is you're, at the end of the day, you're the one responsible for making sure the script is in good enough shape that all the different departments can go execute whatever the script is that's being published on every level. And otherwise, everyone's in a scramble, everyone's stressed out, and if you're not doing that well, it all sort of starts to fall apart. So that's hard because life happens and people get sick and tired and whatever. You just can't, it's like you have to kind of be a machine. It's Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. And the other, I guess another hard part of show running is when all is said and done, the scripts are written and you're in post and it's not, let's say a lot of times today, production is mostly somewhere else. So people shoot in Canada and your writer's room is in LA or New York. And so what's also hard is post-production when you get in the post room and you see a cut and it's just not what you imagine and then kind of restarting over. That's the second hardest part. I guess a follow-up to that would be, let's say you get the dailies back and they're just not at all what they should be. What do you do knowing that there's a production schedule that you have to follow? Okay, so either you're quickly rewriting. So let's say, and I've had this happen a lot, like um, a scene gets approved by everybody involved and then you see that the dailies, the actors do something different or saw it differently or on the day decided to interpret it and somebody wasn't paying attention. So for example, there was a breakup scene recently that we wrote and in it was supposed to be a mutual breakup and then the dailies came in and oh my God, one character looked completely heartbroken. And I was like, oh no. So I guess we changed the storyline to she's heartbroken. Sometimes you just have to like- Roll with the go, punches. Roll, yeah, roll with the punches, yes and, it's like improv. So a lot of times it's yes and. I worked with Sally Field and we wrote a scene, my writing partner and I, that was supposed to be funny and she cried all the way through. And you can't tell Sally Field not to cry because she's won Oscars. And so it's just sort of reinterpreting the whatever they gave you. That's so interesting. Okay, cool. So then the second question would be, in your experience, what shows tend to captivate audiences best and what shows tend to get renewed? Okay, well, I have a theory. So I've written a lot of pilots and um, I often start with a mystery and a dead body. And often <laughs> we're told, take the body out. And every time we listen, it doesn't get picked up. So at least in one hour world, I feel like mystery, and you look at what like, White Lotus and Wednesday, everybody loves to play that game of who did it, what's, who died, who's the body, who's the killer. So I feel like that, no matter what, you just, you need a good engine. Um, but what was the other part of the question? And then how does a show get renewed? What does oh. it need to do? For it needs to be good. Studios? And some, it's just like magic, like magic has to happen on so many levels because it can be a great script and then production can be bad or... It can be a mediocre script, but then the cast can be amazing and like elevate the material. So it's sort of like lightning in a bottle. I don't think there's any perfect recipe. A lot of times, obviously, it's a big concept, like a Wednesday is a great concept and a great character. It's just kind of fluky, I think. People even often on, like we're working with the company called Doozer who did Ted Lasso, and they were just saying that was such a fluke that everything went so right. Hmm. 
That's really interesting. And I guess a follow-up would be, so you treat, as a showrunner, you treat your show like your baby, and you put all this time into it. What happens if you put all this time into a show, and after one year, it already gets canceled? That happens a lot. How, how does it feel? <laughs> what do you do next? How do you move on? You have to have perspective. You say, well, early on in my career, before I had kids, I would have said a show is my baby. And then when I had kids, I was like, it's not my baby. <laughs> it's my job. Um, no, and obviously a lot of stuff goes into it. But And I tell my kids this. It's persistence. And a lot of times there's failure. And it's just picking yourself up again and rolling with the punches. Like there's so much failure in this business that it's just persistence. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm moving on. Um, how do you make your shows today stay current while still catering to older audiences so that the demographic range of viewers is, is consistent between all age groups? That's a great question because I feel like I'm old now, although mm -hmm. I speak teen because um, of my daughter and her friends and boyfriend. Um, no, uh, I think that we, as long as... Uh, I pick material, a lot of times it's books or articles will come our way and we'll read something and decide I, that speaks to me or it doesn't speak to me. But at the end of the day, I think it's like two things. Theme, like is it a universal theme? Can you boil it down to something that I feel like is relevant? Um, and honestly, I feel like being a parent to teens like keeps me tapped into what people are watching and thinking about in the zeitgeist. Um, what was the other part of the question? How do you manage both younger audiences oh, and yeah. also getting well, older audiences. My favorite shows are multi-generational. So like, and a lot, you know, like you end up writing a lot of pilots. If you're in this business a long time, not all of them get made, but the shows I've been on that are most successful, like have really captivating storylines for both generations. If you look at things that are successful, like Only Murders in the Building, apparently the through line is, which you may not know if you're not on the staff, but I forget how I found this out, was about multi-generations so how did different generations they always came back to exploring different generations so it was like steve martin and versus selena gomez like how and, and exploring that so i think as long as it's authentic emotionally authentic people will watch younger people will watch old people older people will watch younger people have you ever had a show that you thought would cater more towards one age group and then after receiving the ratings it ended up being a, the complete opposite where an older group or maybe a younger group was watching it more than you were expecting. Yes. Yes. Um, Beauty and the Beast <laughs> was a show that we thought was going to be like YA, CW, young people. And all of a sudden we had these rabid fans who were like in their <laughs> midlife. We had these beasties and they created like fan fiction. And I think they were like elderly single women. Oh, why do you think that is? <laughs> I don't know. They were swept away by the romance, I think, and like the classic. I don't know. It was an, a classic title that we remade, like from the '80s, and so maybe it was fans from that show. Um, I'm trying to think of another show that I've been on or that had like a different age audience than we thought. I can't really think of one. Makes sense. I'm surprised about Beauty and the Beast. I would totally it like think older. it would be a bunch of younger people. No. Um. Moving on, my fourth question is, how has the TV industry changed since you started in the business? So Meaning, much. Like, what shows tend to do better that, that maybe would not have done well in the past, or the opposite, what shows did well in the past 
that would not work now. Well, there's so many things as you were asking me that I wanted to say, and then I realized the question was sort of different because first of all, what's changed in the business when I first started out and the first TV staffs, I was in my late twenties, but the writer's rooms were really big. There were like Mm -hmm. 13 people in a writer's room, very clearly delineated hierarchy of the staff. And when you could speak and you couldn't, I was a staff writer. Um, and now, so let's say there were 13, 14 people in a room. That was totally normal. And now the staffs keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And now it's like these mini rooms that they do. Obviously also the show, like it was used to be broadcast was king. And you always had to write for commercial breaks, act breaks. And broadcast was just much more sanitized and storytelling, closed-ended storytelling. And now because of streaming, it's totally different. You can write, you can write some episodes that are really long, like longer than an hour, shorter than an hour, because you're not stuck with broadcast and the commercial breaks. Your writer's room is tiny. A lot of times they hire writer's room before you even shoot anything and then everyone's released and then you're rewriting the show because in production things change, so that's different. But storytelling wise, I think TV's become an amazing opportunity, but at the same time, I know that writers are saying it's audiences expect so much story that people have ADD and so are like the smaller stories that used to be on the WB those kinds of shows can they people do people watch those anymore I don't know interesting what about like you were saying how a lot of shows on streaming tend to be 8 to 12 episodes but on broadcast I remember 22 22 episode shows how do you how is it to write storylines that only fit into eight to 12 episodes versus 22. Well, like your storytelling, your pacing is different. So if you're writing eight episode seasons, you're burning a lot of story and sometimes a lot of stuff has to happen. You don't get to explore the smaller moments. Like in like the old shows like Dawson's Creek or Everwood, you got 22 to 25 episodes. You could really have just the birthday episode and like explore some thematic emotional issue or so it's definitely something sort of lost sometimes in the move towards streaming, even though it's really great storytelling. Meaning like you can't get you into as much depth yes. in each character because the yes. story has to it's constantly not as progress. Much, exactly. It's not as much nuance sometimes. You think, yeah, audiences just expect like stuff to happen, you know, and, and also you have to end an episode with a big twist. So you, people will binge the next episode that didn't have to use, that didn't used to be the case so much. They used to do those. I feel like Warner Brothers shows, WB, where it would be like a romantic, like a needle drop, a music cue, and it would be all emotional. You'd go around the world and see all the different storylines, and it would be an emotional ending. Mm. And I don't think that that's as, I don't know. And by the way, when I show those shows to your generation, I think sometimes they're kind of boring. Like, I don't know if they still hold up. That's really interesting. Is it easier to write fewer episodes or is it more stressful because you're constantly having to pack in so much into that one episode it can be really hard to break a season of 22 to 25 episodes like we would always talk about like the dreaded like 16 throughout episode 19 that are just kind of like you're treading water sometimes just waiting for the like oh i'd be stuck with like episode 17 make it fun like they go to a spa or like it's Mm -hmm. the spring break episode and somebody actually drugs somebody like and you try to make it entertaining without advancing story. But again, there's can be something great about it too. Grey's Anatomy, they would go like, can't be in the woods. Just, and it would just give you a 
an episode of character. Like quote unquote filler episodes yes. don't really exist as much anymore. They don't there's exactly. so few episodes, episodes that people don't want to yeah. see it like a wasted episode. Yeah, but filler episodes can also be great. So there's For something character development, yeah. right? Yeah. That's really interesting. Um as a showrunner, what happens if a script comes in and it's just vastly different from what you were thinking, whether it was better or or worse or maybe an idea was just completely not what you were expecting. What do you do? You rewrite it? Do you work with it? What's the uh, solution? If it's better, I'm so thrilled. I'm th- so excited. And a lot of times, and I learned this from Greg Berlanti, who would say, surprise me in your episode. So sometimes we would break a story in the room and then our outline could be a little different. If when you go and live with the script and you're like, wait a minute, that, that act break doesn't work. Or it's so different when you're outside of it and sort of laying out beats versus when you're in the scenes so things can totally change. That doesn't freak me out. Um, if it's vastly different and it's not working, then you know, then it can be difficult and stressful. Sometimes you have time to pull your whole staff together and do a Frankenstein draft, like mm-hmm. re-break it. And then we used to call it something very politically incorrect, I won't say. But we would re-break it in the room and then assign acts quickly just to get it turned around in time so sometimes like you have just restart a whole episode in a day and you know get i feel like you've seen me yes yes pull an all-nighter and rewrite the entire thing and just don't freak out pace yourself and try to remember it's fun and the other thing i always have to tell myself is like live in the scenes just like pretend put yourself there which is sort of the tiring part but the magic of it yeah that's very interesting that would be very stressful if a script came in and it was just not at all what you were planning on um, what happens if you receive notes on a script, uh, that you don't agree with that the production companies are like very, they really want something to happen and you really don't want that thing to happen. What do you do? How do you find a common, uh, common ground with them? That's a great question. So a lot of times I always say like notes are usually valid. Like sometimes producers or network or studio execs don't always have the right fix. So it's like a doctor, like maybe they'll... They're great at diagnosing a problem, but maybe don't come up with the right medicine. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I try not to get defensive and come from a place, okay, what's bothering you? Like what's underneath the note? Um, Sometimes I've gotten into trouble from listening too closely to notes and not fighting back. And I think that's a lesson I've learned is that as a showrunner, you have to have a clear vision. And a lot of times people want to hear it and maybe just clarify, you know, there was something wasn't getting communicated properly in the script and they will understand it once you properly tackle it, if that makes sense. So, but I usually try to find common ground and, and you don't have a choice to some degree. Like if you really hear they're adamant about something. So they have the final choice. They're the, uh, they get the final decision. Yes. But you, there's always creative ways to solve things, which is, I guess a good lesson for like anything, right? Like things come at you in life that you don't always want to happen, but you kind of have to like make do and find your own version with it, if that makes sense. So like I just did a show for a company that was much more conservative kind of than I am. And they would have issues with things happening to characters that were too dark. And so I would have to find versions of what I was trying to do, but just not uh, like, let's say they were, said no to a character being taken to like a juvenile delinquency center, then it would be like, what's another version that was dramatic, traumatic, and a parent really devastated the kid Mm. and just find a different version of what I was trying to do. Have there ever been moments where you just 
have a complete opposite opinion. Yes. <laughs> what 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 I, happens in that rare scenario where it's just you just completely disagree with well, the Well, sometimes network? you're fired. <laughs> uh, we had a show we did with Zayn Malik about a boy band. And the producer, actually, who's a big procedural producer, Dick Wolf, did, we had one of the stories called Boys. It was a great idea. And one of our boys, we wanted to be a kid who was struggling with his sexuality. And he was like, no freaking way. No boy bander should be struggling with his sexuality. Mm. And ultimately, it was just like, okay, if we can't even play with identity stuff like that, we're not the right writers. So if it gets really bad like that, then so you sometimes you take yourself off. Yeah. If you, you just take don't yourself think off. You have the same exactly ideas as yeah. the network. And sometimes you listen to people and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we've listened and been bummed that we listen. It's better, I guess, to die by your own sword. Sometimes that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what are all the ta- different tasks that a showrunner has? Even like from m- most major of tasks to the very intricate minor tasks. Um, okay, so I guess the base task is really like it's always the scripts like this story has to be good and the drive for the season has to be good. the arcs have to be good and some showrunners think like or told often like you have to be on set and I feel like you don't have to be on set the most important thing is the writers room and the writers and like making sure I mean that's it that's what you're watching for I'm sure like you feel like the story the scripts or the shows that you like are about like what are the great scripts like what's the good story what's compelling so I think the hardest or the biggest task or priority is just getting the scripts in great shape and the season arcs. Like before you even assign episodes, it's what's our show about? What's the season about? What are we aiming towards? And filling up those tent poles and then like breaking. So it starts like really broad and you're slowly working your way towards like four episode arcs and like what's one episode and what's the second episode after the pilot? I don't know if I answered that. No, that makes sense. What happens if an actor's schedule um, gets mixed up because they have another obligation or they are maybe not a regular, but they're an important character and so they don't necessarily have to, you know, abide by certain production schedules and they choose to go to take another role? How do you adjust to that? Like, how do you write them off? What's the easiest way? Well, a lot of times you're supposed to know ahead of time. Like, we know with all of our actors, like, oh, they're six out of ten. It's just a lot of way of talking about him. I'll, or I'll break a story sometimes and some my line producer will say, whoa, whoa, Sherry, this is only an 8 out of 10. This guy's not available. These oh, Okay, I'll pull him out. Some, sometimes you can swap characters. Um, you are really beholden to how many episodes you're contracted with the actor. Um, sometimes we found out an actor's available and we have to write to them and you figure out a story. Like a lot of times it is, Weirdly, you know how it's easier sometimes to, like if somebody gives you a blank slate and says write anything you want, that's really hard. But if somebody says, okay, you have to write a story and you have to write about potato chips, a guy, and a sandcastle. Like at least mm-hmm. you kind of know. I feel like you can always write something. Gotcha. And then sticking with actors, how do you deal with maybe rogue actors who are either... <laughs> they're just not listening to direction or they're choosing to take a character in a complete opposite direction than maybe you wanted or they're trying to express their creative freedom. By doing so, it's just not working. Uh, How do you deal with all those different scenarios? So you first try to talk to them and like, or a Zoom, or I've been in a trailer having like lunch or coffee, you take them out, you (laughs) kill them with (laughs) kindness. 
um, and hear what they have to say. A lot of times I've had, I mean, I've had a million actors tell me like they don't like a scene, they don't like an episode, or they don't get where their character's going. And a lot of times you can alleviate their concerns by just sitting down and having a conversation. Sometimes actors seem flipped out and then you find out it's like two little words they don't like or like they're bumped by one line and and sometimes they're really appreciative when you're like, wait, you're not that angry as in here's what you, you know. Gotcha. Like, oh, I had a misunderstanding about or a misinterpretation about my character. I didn't act, the hardest thing was we had an actor on a show who was being taken in by a cult and that was the hardest thing because she was like, hard to reach or connect Taken with. in by a cult. Like literally in was getting world. involved with a cult in the oh, real world. Gotcha. Okay. And that was really intense because we couldn't communicate with her like normally. That's wild. Yeah. That was the hardest situation with an actor I think I've ever had. How much power do leads and regulars Huge. Hold? <laughs> a ton. Okay, if you're number one on the call sheet, mm-hmm. The truth is, you're if you're you're a showrunner, you're not like a Greg Berlanti. You're totally expendable, and the actors right. are not. So, if you think about it that way, you really have to make sure they're happy to some degree. Like, as much as you are supposed to be the boss to some degree, and the, and the actors know it. Like Sally Field knows it. Calista Flockhart would know it. Rob Lowe knew it. Like. They sort of, I mean, they want to be professional. You can also call their agents and talk to their agents mm-hmm. or their managers to help you with them. But at the end of the day, if an actor really hates a showrunner, I think they can get rid of some power to get rid of a showrunner. Especially if they're very famous If they're not actors. the creator, right. right. Even a creator, by the way. Can get I was taken on a off. show where the creator was taken off because the actors didn't like their writing. Wow. That's wild. Like 10 years ago, yeah. But it happens. And then... What happens um, if you hire an actor and you think they're going to be great for a role and maybe they're very well known, maybe they're not, and when it actually, like, when push comes to shove and you actually see the dailies, they're just, like, not at all, they don't embody the role that you thought they were going to embody, like, they, they're playing it differently, or they just don't work. You put you put them as the father figure to a certain character and you can just tell there's no chemistry, that it doesn't feel like a real relationship. Um, how early on are you able to switch actors? Are you able to switch actors? How do you get around that, especially if they're a main character yes. and they're just not the right You totally can cast. if it's a pilot. For a pilot, you can. If it really... And obviously, you have to get everyone on board, but I've seen pilots... I wasn't the showrunner, but where a pilot lead actress was recast... A kid actors recast. It's happened even with big names where it's just not right and they get fired. Totally happens. They get paid out. Um, and it's really important that you figure that out quickly. Um, and some, or sometimes there's like you write, let's say you bring a character in for, or an actor in to be a love triangle for somebody. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I remember Chris Pratt, we hired an actress to play on Everwood. A love triangle situation right. and we're like there's no chemistry with her and the main guy so we had her be with Chris Pratt and it totally worked and it ended up being a great relationship so sometimes it's okay and you can adjust but if it's a main character and it's not working that can tank you yeah um have you ever had a situation where two actors don't get along or there's a situation oh, on yes. set <laughs> what's the uh what's the way of getting around that we had a situation where two actors were in a love triangle. Speaking of love triangles, they were one was dating a very famous actress, and then the other actor who played his brother swooped in and started dating her. And it 
the, oh. Oh. <laughs> um, and like the tablets picked it up and I think it wasn't good. Um, and then they really didn't speak to each other for the rest of the run of the show. But if actors are professional, they just have to deal with each other. When they're, when they're being filmed, they're, they're yeah. cordial and they... Yeah. Yeah. I haven't dealt... Oh, no, I have dealt where actors dated and then they break up, but they have to be in romantic scenes. That's well, kind of uncomfortable. That's not... Has an actor ever demanded that another one be taken yes. off the show? Yes. Especially if it's like a lead requesting that someone yeah, else. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like I was just on a show that I was showrunning and the lead actress did not like her romantic lead. And so mm. it's gone. Wow, gone. that's gone. wild! So much power. Yeah, and you know, and like I've had to rewrite kisses, or like let's say there's supposed to be a fa- first kiss, the kiss is gone. Yeah, especially it's very loaded, like with the world today and the Me Too. Like you can't force actors to kiss if which they're not really Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess going back to being a writer and not a showrunner, I I think I've noticed that if you're not a showrunner, a lot of writing is mimicking the. Totally. The, the the way that the showrunner writes because if the showrunner writes an epi- the first episode of pilot a certain way it's going to be really weird if a different writer comes in and writes a second episode with a completely different tone and way of writing how is it as a writer a very, like being a very creative person that kind of feel constrained in the fact that you have to mimic a a showrunner's i guess their tone their their way of writing is it well it's it's in a weird way, it's easier. Like, if you're writing pilots, it's really hard to write pilots. Like, I've done right. it. It's, a, it's really hard. You're creating everything. If you love a show and then you're brought on, it's really fun. Like, I can imagine whoever goes on staff for Wednesday next season is going to love trying to sound like whatever that show sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it sounds it's mimicking, but I feel like it's a skill. But you can bring something to it. Like, I know I've been on shows and people can say, oh, I could tell that was a Sherry episode, even though I wasn't the creator. So it just has, like, you can So writers are still own, able to... Totally. You can, like, be the funny writer on the dramas, on the staff. And so they know, oh, Joe, you're really good at comedy. We're going to have you write all the kind of funnier, lighter episodes. Or let's hmm. say you're really good at action. I've had, uh, as a showrunner, it's good to know, like, I've had writers where I know they're really good at action sequences. If I have an, a- an action sequence episode coming, like, that guy's doing, that guy, Roger, he's great at that. Like, gotcha. So, I mean, to some degree, it is mimicking, but I think it should be kind of fun. It's almost like a math problem in some ways. Like, you kind of crack the code, but then you can find your way of being creative within it. How hard is it to, like you're saying, you can still add your own personal flair, but to still like mimic the core style um well you know what it is what it doesn't feel like it's so hard to it's more like if you really get to know the characters and let's say a showrunner or a pilot get makes it really clear it's more when you're writing it it's not like how does the i'm mimicking the showrunner you end up feeling like am i tapping into the characters like and as long as they already came alive for you then you just feel like you're giving the characters you hear them speak like, it's really weird, but suddenly I know how they sound. And a it well-written comes naturally show, because... totally. And a well-written show, let's say there's a big group scene, mm-hmm. it should be able, like, you should know any line without putting the character's name on top. You should know, like, oh, that character said that line. Like, you shouldn't be have characters say things that are interchangeable, if that makes sense. Like, a well-written show, you can tell who said what, and their speech pattern. And there's something fun about nailing that, or, like... It's just like getting to know your own characters. You become the character. Almost yeah. like the writing becomes super Yeah, you easy. hear them in your head. Like, 
how they speak. If you think of your favorite shows, you can kind of figure out how they would speak in a scene. Gotcha. Or and how I, react. I guess my last question would be, being in a writer's room with so many different people and so many different ideas, how do you stick or how do you find a, a storyline when so many people have, you know, so many different thoughts in their mind and they're pitching certain things? How do you end up whittling that down into like a cohesive story um, where everyone's happy with the way that that story is going? Um, since like all different writers are going to have their own opinions, um, how do you find that middle ground, I guess, where everyone's happy or at least most people are happy? Well, you try to make it a friendly room where everybody's like nice and respectful to each other. And then hopefully you kind of know before you're breaking a story like what you're aiming for in an episode. So you're sort of already in agreement about the main bullet points or the targets, the bullseye mm-hmm. that you're hitting. So most of the time the staff is happy with when when you get it right, it just feels good. Most of the room is excited. If you have that rogue right one writer who like hates everything, it's really hard. It's like um the idea killer. I don't know. And sometimes you have to tell if you're a showrunner, you have to say, Okay, you said your piece, you're not gonna win this one. Like we hear you, let's do it for an-. a lot of times I'll do something like that's great. Let's do it in another episode. Like a lot of it's just managing people and egos. How do you determine who gets what episode? Is it- Sometimes it's hierarchy. Like your more senior writers get the earlier episodes and you're kind of working down. Um, and again, sometimes if I know somebody's really good at comedy or like there's a wedding episode, somebody's really good at romance, they're going to write the wedding episode. A lot of, it's just knowing your staff. Is there ever an instance where there's multiple writers on... A certain episode or is that just too hard to have yeah people? sometimes like if you're behind sometimes it's like four different writers will be on one episode sometimes shows they like Berlanti always put two writers on every episode for a while I don't know if he mm. still does it and so I've been on shows where you're always writing with a partner so somebody's always available to take notes from the actors how is it to write with a partner on an episode depends you hope it's good. I used to be a solo writer, and I met my writing partner because we were assigned an episode together, and then I never looked back. And I don't like writing without her. I do sometimes, but I have to, but it's more fun. So hopefully it's somebody you, it's fun. I've w- written with a lot of writers I really enjoy writing with, and it's been fun. It's almost like um, if they love writing too and you get along, it's, I can't explain. It's almost like having like a weekend plan with somebody fun. That's great. So it doesn't feel like work. It right, it shouldn't like feel fun. like work. That's great. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I think you've answered so many of the questions I've had. Uh, and thank you for being the first guest. <laughs> thank you for having me, Joe. <laughs> of course.